So glad you're here today, and if you're a first-time guest, we know it's no accident you are here, amen? God has something very special for you, so I'm so glad that you made it today. I am wrapping up a series called After You Die. How many of you have been here for the entire three-week series? You've been able to hear them all. Good, good, good. Um, what I'd like to encourage you to do, if you haven't heard all three of them, jump online at some point next week. They're only about 40 minutes long, and uh, listen to the first two, because that will help tie in the three uh, series together, amen? So the first week, we talked about what happens after you die as a believer and an unbeliever. And then the second week, last week, we talked about hell, everybody. And that was such a fun topic, wasn't it? It was really informational, though. Isn't it great to know that we know the truth of God's word, and so we're able to understand how to share the reality of hell with people who don't have Jesus, amen? That's a real thing, and so I want you to jump online, listen to that, but today I'm very excited because we're going to wrap up this series, and we're going to talk about the glory of heaven. Somebody shout amen. This is the fun part to talk about, and so our theme uh, point throughout the last three weeks has been this, what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. So if you believe that we were just born in this time and just to have children and live our life and we die and there's nothing following, you'll live that kind of life, won't you? You'll live making your own choices and your decisions that gratify ourselves. But if you know that there is a life after death, right? You were born with the purpose for a purpose by an all-loving, living God, you will make different decisions about your future, amen? Different decisions about today knowing that what you believe believe today determines your future. And listen, not only your future, but the future of other people around you in the world. Amen. And we want to take as many people to heaven as we can when we leave this earth. Amen. Grab them from the the cuffs of hell and bring them into eternity with Jesus. So as I was putting this together, you know, it's very hard to um, explain to you or really have you cause to have a revelation of what heaven is really about. Because even according to scripture in 1 Corinthians 2.9, the Bible says this, no eye has seen no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared. Can you put that verse up? What God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2.9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So let's just look at this verse for a minute. There's no way on your mind, if you can comprehend the most beautiful scenery, the greatest vacation you've ever had, that your mind can comprehend what heaven is really about. We are limited with our uh, visibility here on earth, but we are going to spend eternity with an all-living God, amen, with no sin, no destruction, but only the glory of God. So this morning, I'm going to just share some scripture verses with you to help you understand, let the word speak for itself about heaven. But it says this in John 14, verses 1 through 5. It says this, do not let your heart be troubled. And I want to start stop right there because the message of the cross of Jesus Christ, knowing if your, land, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that when you take your last breath here on earth to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we don't have to trouble about the world. We don't have to trouble about after we die because we know we have a better place that we're going when we have Jesus in our life. He says, so don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. This is Jesus. You believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? See, Jesus said already in heaven, there are mansions prepared for 
you. God has already prepared that house for you, amen. He knows what street you're gonna live on. He knows what your house is gonna look like. Guess what, he knows who your neighbors are. I think God has a sense of humor. You may be living next to somebody you can't stand here on earth. You'd be like, what, you know Jesus? You know, we're gonna be surprised who gets to heaven. I'm pretty sure of that with God's grace. But God has already prepared a place for us, amen? He's already done it in advance. If your name is written in that Lamb's book of life, you have eternity that you're gonna spend in the glory, in the presence of God, amen? He said, if it were not so, would I tell you that I've already prepared a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, this is the good news, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So where is Jesus today? He is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he says, when I come back in the last days, and I'm coming back for my church, I'm coming back for my bride that's without spot and wrinkle, wrinkle. I'm coming back, and what am I gonna do? I'm gonna take you so that you can spend eternity with me, amen? We're gonna spend eternity with a living, powerful Savior of God in our life, amen? But we gotta make sure that our name is written in that book, and we really know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, amen? He said, but I'm coming back and I'm going to take you with me to a place that your mind can't understand, something you've never seen, something you've never heard, something that you can't comprehend because it's in the fullness of the glory of God. Go down to verse 5. Thomas said, Jesus said, you know the place that I'm going to. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? See, Thomas was still thinking in his natural mind, but what did Jesus say to Thomas? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. See, we learned last week that wide is the road to destruction, but narrow is the way to eternal life. Jesus is saying there's not many ways to get to heaven. There's one way. It's through my son Jesus who laid his life down, who died willingly, who shed all his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Come on, somebody. Who was resurrected on the third day, took the keys of life and death away from the devil, and gave you all life and power here on earth. Amen. And he said in that one day, when I come back, I'm going to recognize you. I'm going to take you into glory with me. But Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. There's no positive thinking. There's no good willing. There's not, you can't be good enough on earth to get to heaven. You know, I said this in first service, and many of you can relate. There are a lot of good people in the world. There are some people who live a better good life than people who call themselves believers. And that can be very confusing to a Christian because you think, well, they're really good. And that's awesome that they're really good, but that is not the way to heaven. The way is the fine line of the blood of Jesus, of his grace and his forgiveness, amen? And that's the hope we have as believers that we, we don't wanna give people the wide road because that's leading them to destruction. We don't wanna say all, you know, you can do whatever you want and you're still gonna get to heaven. That's a lie of the enemy and a deception of the enemy. We have to say the truth of the word Word of God. And if they hate you, they're not hating you. They're hating the God in you. Jesus said, if they persecute you, they're not persecuting you. They're persecuting me. So let's not take it personal, amen. Let's not take responsibility of the gospel. Let's just take responsibility to share the good news of Jesus and let the responsibility of God and his promises fall on the ears of that unbeliever. 
Amen. So Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me, which, praise God, it's free. Amen. He paid the price for everyone. Forgiveness of sin is there. We just have to say yes to that. So do not let your heart be troubled. He says, I prepared a place for you. In Revelations, John penned the scripture verse, the vision of heaven when he was on the island of Patmos, and it says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. See, when Jesus comes again, he's going to make all things new. When he comes back for his church, this earth is going to be destroyed and God's going to create a new one. He said, for the first heaven and the first earth shall, pass, shall be passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Then he said, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. What is God coming back for? His church. We are called the bride of Christ, and the groomsman is coming back for his bride without spot or wrinkle, amen, to take us up into a glorious heaven. Then he said, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be them, and he will be their God. See, something that we don't understand here on earth, on earth, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we don't know what it means to be without the Holy Spirit unless you have blasphemed the Holy Spirit in your life, which you haven't because you're sitting in church today. So thank you, Jesus. You're good. Don't worry. But we have the Holy Spirit. But what we don't understand that when we get to heaven, we'll be in the glory of God. And the glory of God, we cannot understand because no one has seen the fullness of the glory of God. The powerful hand. The Bible even says that When God moves his pinky, he's so powerful that angels will fly across the room and begin to sing worship unto him. See, God is an all-powerful God, and when we get to heaven, we're going to have an encounter with the presence of the holy living God. We can't even understand that, and we don't have to earn it. We don't have to deserve it. We don't have to work for it. The moment that we close our eyes and we take our last breath, we will be in the presence of our creator. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's keep going. Where did I leave off? I saw the holy city. Okay, the dwelling place of God. So now what happens is here on earth we have the Holy Spirit, but when God comes for his bride, there was a revelation. He said, when I come from my church, there's going to be a combining of us into the presence of God. God now will dwell among his people. Remember back in the beginning of the Garden of Eden when God would walk along the cool of the day and talk with Adam and Eve? And what happened? Sin separated. Sin came here on earth. And God says, I'm going to redeem it back to the way creation was supposed to be, where we are in the presence of God every day. We are walking with God. We're enjoying a world with no sin, no disappointments, no discouragements, no angers, no frustration. Heaven will be the fullness of the glory of God. The dwelling place of God. When I was young in the Lord, I was probably 20 years old. I went into ministry at 20, and probably around 25, God began to give me dreams and visions. And at this point, I was working in children's ministry for about five years, and God was about to take me to another level in my ministry. And I didn't understand the fullness of all scriptures yet. I was just came into Jesus at 18, um, but I had this vision of heaven. And in this vision, I was carrying a child down a long hallway. 
At the time, I was in the children's ministry, so I was carrying a child, and I came to these doorways, and there was this angel there, and this angel stopped me before these doors opened, and he said, before you can go in there, I need to purify you, and he took this wand, and he touched this shoulder, and he touched this shoulder, and it was like everything that was impure, he cleaned out, and then these, I put the child down, and then these doors opened to this gymnasium, and when I walked into this gymnasium, the angel said to me, there's going to be angels present in this room. You may not see them at first. Um, but when you do see them, they won't speak to you until you speak to them. I don't even know if that's scriptural. This was just my part of the dream that, that happened. And so all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this uh, presence came out of nothing. And like this ange- angelic face showed up and kind of came at me. And it was so beautiful. And um, I said to the angel, I said, well, hi. <laughs> And the angel said, hi. And it was just this beautiful encounter. I was just awestruck in how beautiful this angel was. And I couldn't tell if it was male or female. I just remember how beautiful it was. Well, all of a sudden, these double doors, and what I didn't know is the youth ministry I was about to take over was in a gymnasium. So there was this season that God took me into. Well, after the gymnasium, these doors swung open, and I knew it was heaven. And it was rolling meadows. It was green uh, rolling meadows, absolutely beautiful. And these beautiful trees. And I wanted to go in this door so bad, but nothing allowed me to go in. But I kept thinking, I love what I see, but I wanted to run in. You know, how many would love to do that? Run in. I want to see all of heaven and what's, what's it's about. And I never got to step foot into heaven, but I knew that way out in the distance was the throne room of God. And I couldn't see a building, though. I'm like, that's weird. Why can't I see the building? But I knew there was a throne room of God. And I heard the Lord say, he said, I put a word in your mouth. And when he said that, it's like my jaws unhinged, like a cartoon character. And it's crazy because when God's giving you a vision, you're like really still there, you know? And I remember going, man, my mouth is so big because my mouth opened up really large, like a cartoon character. I'm like, I can't believe my mouth is so big. I should have asked my school teachers. They know how big my mouth is. I got in lots of trouble, but so my mouth opened up and this ray from the throne room, I couldn't see it, came from the throne room and began to pour into my spirit, began to pour into my spirit, but I never got to go into heaven. And now as I'm looking at scripture verses, and I'll share a little bit with you that there is no temple in heaven. We don't have a church structure in heaven because God is the one that we worship. God is in heaven. So there really isn't like a place. It's him. It is God in heaven. But your mind can't comprehend like the color that I saw green is not the color that we're going to see in heaven because what I saw in my natural sinful state could not imagine what we're going to see in the glory of a perfect God where there's no sin, amen, only the fullness of the presence of God. So the presence of God comes down, and then what happens? What will God be doing as we are going up and seeing this transformation of heaven? The Bible says in Revelations 21.4, he will wipe every tear from your eyes. Anything that brought sorrow and disappointment and failure here on on earth, God says, I'm going to take that sorrow and I'm going to wipe it away because there'll be no sorrow in heaven. There'll be no disappointment in heaven. People won't let you down. People won't fail you or betray you. Some may say amen. You won't owe the banks anything. You will own it all. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to be one community. We're going to build houses for each other, and I'll share that in Scripture. We're going to work together in unity was what God's called his church to work at. We're trying on earth, but we will reach perfection in heaven. Amen. 
Heaven's going to be an incredible place. I'm going to wipe away the tears from your eyes. There's going to be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain. For the old order of things have passed away. Can you imagine living in a life where we don't have any more sorrow or disappointments or pain or loss? That's going to be the glory of God. Listen, forever and ever and ever and ever. We live in this little bitty mindset, this little bitty world of our life, but eternity is forever. And that's why it's so important for us as the church to make sure the people know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if they die without Jesus, they don't spend eternity forever in heaven. And I'm not going back to last week's messages, but we know what happens if they don't have Jesus. And that's why we're so passionately, we want to take as many people to heaven with us, amen? Many people to know Jesus and the truth, that God will make all things new in their life. And this life may have trouble attached to it, but I'm going to tell you, in heaven there is no trouble. He said the order of the old things, they're gone, Amen. He who is seated on the throne, the one who sits on the throne, God, I am making everything brand new, a new heaven, a new earth, a new bodies, a new way of life. It's going to be amazing. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this. All we have to do is say yes to Jesus right now. That's it. And I may have troubles and I may get persecuted because I love Jesus and people may unfriend me. Who cares? Because I'm thinking about eternity. I'm thinking about the hereafter. This life is just a vapor. The world says, the word says it's a mist and it's going to be gone. And where are we going to spend eternity, which is more important, victorious in Christ Jesus? I will be their God and they will be my children. Somebody praise the Lord right now. We belong to God, amen? And when we leave this earth, we are going to spend eternity with our creator. So I want to talk about quickly this morning three misconceptions about heaven. I want to break some things that have maybe the world or movies or just a gracious heart has given you a misconception of what heaven is really about. Number one misconception is that heaven will be boring. Heaven will be boring. I don't know if anybody else feels this way. I, when I was younger and I thought about heaven, I'm like, I don't want to go to heaven yet because I think heaven's going to be boring. Like, what if I'm stuck doing something for eternity that I don't like? I mean, what if I really hate it? I'm like, God, please don't make me a sweet sweep, a street sweeper. I really thought that. Like, don't give me something that I'm going to do that I'm going to hate forever. And we'll talk about that in a minute. That won't happen. But we can think of heaven as boring. And if you think of the devil, the devil comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He is a liar, and he's the author of it. That's his native language, amen? The devil is a liar. So his job here on earth is to bring as much as deception as he can. I'm either going to make hell not a reality, or I'm going to make heaven just a sweet by and by and seem boring. So nobody lives for eternity. We're just living for today. If we don't even believe as believers that heaven is really real, and it's going to be an amazing place to live, which I'll describe in just a minute, why would I want to share this truth with anybody? So if the devil can lull to sleep the church, he can desensitize the church. Hey, let's not worry about hell, and heaven's really no big deal. Everybody's going to go there anyway. I don't know about you, but the last three weeks, obviously this is ingrained in my spirit because I've been studying it and teaching it, but I can't tell you the TVs and the medias that I have seen that has come against this truth that we're talking about. I've seen it over and over, and I'm like, that's the subtlety of the deception of the devil. 
to lull the church to sleep. God forbid we have our absolute truth, which is Jesus. No, I have to compromise that to be liked by everybody. But I'm not willing to compromise the word of God. I may compromise the food I have to eat if you invite me over. I may compromise certain company to be gracious, but not the gospel of the cross. I will never compromise the message of the truth because I'm gonna make sure you are pulled from the gates of hell and brought into heaven with me. If I have to drag you kicking and screaming to confess Jesus, amen, I will drive you crazy like the woman who knocked on the neighbor's door till she got what she wanted. You're gonna hear about Jesus, 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 till you're mad at me at night and all you're thinking about is Jesus, amen? And then you're gonna humble yourself before the Lord and confess your life to Jesus because I'm gonna drive you crazy with the gospel of the truth and I'm gonna put the devil deceiver under my feet. We are not gonna be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. Heaven, eternity, their own mansion, eternal glory, amen? Singing songs that angels sing. There are songs in heaven that we don't even sing on earth yet. I can't wait till our team starts writing songs because they're gonna download from an angel, amen? They experience revival here on earth. Devil comes to lull us to sleep, amen? We gotta change it. Heaven is not gonna be boring. Why, does heaven, why do people think heaven might be boring? Maybe <clears throat> because people might think God is boring. You think about it, church is like, you know, can't do this, can't do that. Christians get to eat. That's why we're all kind of chubby. We get to eat. (laughs) That's why my one little, you know, I get to do. (laughs) I know, I'm about to go on a diet. I really am. I'm about to hone in. Quinn doesn't live with me anymore, so no more Oreo cookies will be in my house. I blame her for my fatness. No, they'll do that. She'll buy Oreo cookies, the big ones, and then eat one or two. Well, guess who's up at midnight with the milk? I'm not stopping. I'll eat the whole row, two of them if I have to, the whole time crying. (laughs) But we think heaven is going to be boring because we think God is where we can't do this, can't do that. You know, go to hell for this, go to hell for that. We think God is this. Who would want to go to heaven like that, right? But God is not boring. He is all glory, all majesty. He's given it all back to us more than we could even understand with our mind. We are going to live better in heaven than we lived here on earth. Amen. And that's why I want to live as honorable to God because I want those rewards in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. I think I'm being a piggy for heaven. I'm a piggy for the rewards of heaven, even though we're going to give it all back to him anyway. But I want a lot of crowns, everybody. I want a lot of jewels. Heaven is what? It's the absence of evil and the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. Think about everything. Your taste buds are going to be more amazing. Your ability to see the beauty, your capacity for joy. How many have ever done something that made you so happy and made you laugh and full of love? We all have. Listen, heaven's going to be beyond what we could think and our laughter and our joy and our containment. We can't comprehend it. Heaven is total perfection, isn't it? No evil will be there. No sin, no death, no pain. Thank you, Jesus. Heaven is the absence of everything evil and the presence of everything good. Some things that we know about heaven, number one, we will know one another. We will love and be loved. When you get to heaven, the Bible says, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but you're going to put on a spiritual body, but 
People will know you. You're going to look like yourself in a glorified body, a better one. Thank you, Jesus. It'll be glorified. It really will. It'll be a better body, full in the completion of Christ. So people will recognize you. There'll be family members that you'll know in heaven. Maybe you've lost children that went before you, and they're in heaven. And when you get to heaven, you're going to recognize each other. That scripture verse says that you'll, 1 Corinthians, you'll know and be known when you're in heaven. All things will make sense. We will know all things when we get to heaven, things that we question here here on earth. I know when I get to heaven, some of the things I've always wanted to do, I don't know if you've ever envisioned going to heaven, but I'm like, I can't wait to see Jesus. And this is my truth. I can't wait to see him. I want to hug and kiss Jesus because I love him so much. Amen. And then I want to find Moses and I'm going to high five Moses. And I'm going to be like, I got why you slapped that rock, Moses. I know why you are frustrated. Like, I don't hate here. I totally get you. I understand it. Amen. If you've ever, ever led a church or been a leader of a team on, at your job, it's hard to lead people. Amen. And then I want to run to the library. This is my, I cannot wait to get to the library of heaven, and I want to find my name written on that book, and I want to open it up and, do, and know, did I do everything God saw fit for me? Did I live the life he called me to live? Did I win somebody to Jesus that I was called to live him for Jesus? Did I live the purposes of God here on earth according to eternity? But guess what? When you get to heaven, you're going to know Moses. That's the coolest thing. You're going to talk to Paul about that thorn in the flesh. Man, what was that thorn? We fought about it for hundreds of years in the church. What was that thorn in the flesh, right? You're going to learn so much. Like, Eve, why did you blow it for all of us? <laughs> right? We have some words, Eve. I can't hate you because we're in heaven, but we have some words, right? But you'll be reunited with friends and family and beautiful people. There's no heartache, no rejection, only perfect love in heaven, amen. The second thing that will be in heaven, heaven will be a place of unimaginable beauty. Oh, I don't even have time to go to this, but I had them girls write the scripture verses. Write them down, Revelations 21, if you can see them, 21, 10 through 27. And read about heaven. It's a beautiful description. Heaven will have high walls. It's cubic in stature. I think it's like over 3,000 miles wide as it is tall. It's going to be layers in heaven. So cool. The Bible says there'll be 12 gates in heaven, three on each side, north, south, east, and west. And get this, the gate, the three gates, one gate is made out of one pearl. Talk about perfect craftsmanship. No seam, a pearl gate. And there'll be three on each side. The walls of, of that new Jerusalem will be the stones that we know today are birth stones. I don't even know them all by heart, but all the jewels. There'll be 12 layers of beautiful jewels that make up the wall of new Jerusalem. And written on each layer will be the, the disciples, the apostles' names. When you walk into heaven, the Bible says it's streets of gold. And not the gold we know, the best that we can manufacture, clear Golden heaven is crystal clear. We will be walking on the purest gold in heaven. Flowers will be singing praises unto God. Heaven is a beautiful place, amen. There will be no sun or moon because God is the light. You know how we said he's the light, a city on the hill that can't be hidden? He illuminates heaven because of his glory. There will be a new heaven. Isn't it going to be an amazing place to be? I don't want to go there yet, but it's going to be an amazing place to be when we do. The Bible says there's the river of life. There's so much that Scripture talks about. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. 
Amen. There's going to be new colors in heaven. I know, Pastor Matt, you're uh, colorblind, right? So the colors that we see on her earth are going to be so magnified in heaven. The Bible says that the lion will lay down with the lamb. Do you know there's not going to be any zoos in heaven? There's no captivity. There's no more ecology. Everybody will dwell and live together. We'll be able to be with the wild animals. They won't be wild anymore, amen? There won't be ravenous and and destruction or any of that. It will be the glory of God where there's no sin, no death, or more pain. I remember when I went to Hawaii on my 50th birthday, it was like the coolest experience. We got a a black Mustang convertible. How many know that's the will of God? If you're going to be in Hawaii, get a convertible. And just driving down that, when we first got out and driving down the side of that island and seeing the water and the green, I was like euphoric. I thought I was on drugs. I was so, I didn't, I, I laughed the whole time. I giggled. It was just so, I couldn't take in the wonder of this new beauty that I saw and experienced. But God says, but what you saw isn't even what heaven's going to be like. What you've experienced, the most beautiful mountain, if you've driven up north and we just take it all in, heaven is beyond that. We enjoy this simple pleasure, but when there's no sin in it and there's just the glory of God, the majesty is going to be unbelievable. How many would not want to be in heaven, want to be in heaven? Heaven will be a place of unimaginable beauty. The second thing that happens in heaven in uh, 1 John 3, 2 says this, in heaven you will see Jesus face to face. Can you imagine being face to face with our God? Do you know in the Old Testament, when Moses wanted to see God's face so bad, he he knew God's presence, he talked with God all the time, and he said, God, would you just show me your face? And he said, nice try, Moses. (laughs) He said, but nobody can see my face and live, because the glory of God is so powerful. And in our natural flesh, we would never be able to live and see God's face. But he said, I tell you what, I'll put my hand over you and you'll be able to see my backside as I walk by. That's the closest to God anyone has ever been. In the Old Testament, nobody was even allowed to go into the holies. And if the high priest did, he wore bells on his um, robe. So, and he tied a rope around his ankle so that when he was in the holy of holies, if they heard the bell, they knew he was okay. But if the bell stopped ringing, that means he died in God's presence because he wasn't worthy, and they would take the rope and pull him out of the Holy of Holies. But when we go to heaven, we're going to see God face to face. The glory of God that we can't experience here on earth. Amen? There'll be no more torment. The Bible says this, there'll be no more torment, no more diseases. The next thing that will happen when we get to heaven, there'll be new bodies, perfect bodies, new and perfect bodies. That should say, send somebody to heaven right away, amen? The Bible says that you're going to sow your natural body, listen, and you'll be raised a spiritual body. That means you're going to be transformed. So if we all are in the end times and Jesus comes back for his church, he's going to take us and we're going to be transformed in the air into a spiritual body. And that spiritual body will be perfect in the presence of God. And in that moment, those who were blind in their life will see. Those who were deaf will hear immediately, amen? Those who were lame, the moment the lame and can't walk, the moment they get to heaven, they'll be able to run and not, walk, and not grow weary, amen? Anybody who has mental torment will be perfect in heaven. Full perfection will come when we are transformed in the presence of God, amen? Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says in Malachi This is so powerful in Malachi 4.2. The son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Anybody who needs to be touched in that moment they're going to heaven, God is going to heal them. 
Well, there'll be no more sickness and disease. Heaven is the absence of everything bad, evil, and painful. It is the presence of everything good, holy, and glorious. According to scripture, and you can study it out, I have them there for you again if you want to write them down and looking up later. We all will be given our own jobs. The Bible says that we are going to build houses, not for ourselves, but for other people. It also says that we're going to plant vineyards. That means there'll be some kind of farming going on. That's where what the desires of our hearts here on earth will be reflected in heaven. So maybe there's some things here on earth that you have such a desire to do, but we can't because we've been caught up in life, we've been caught up in circumstances. Your heart will reflect what you do in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. That means you will fulfill your calling in heaven. Isn't that amazing? And it'll bring joy to your heart. And God will bring us back to the original state of the Garden of Eden. For all eternity, you will rule and reign with Christ Jesus. It's amazing. People who maybe are famous here on earth today will not be famous in heaven. It's reality, right? People, women who are probably in their prayer closets, nobody knows about, who prays every day for the lost and dying world, will probably be a ruler in heaven somewhere over a city because they'll be rewarded for the obedience to Christ here on earth. See, we live in such a temporary mindset, don't we? We live in such a little bitty time of our life, and I'm going to give you an analogy today. But we live in this little, little place, but God says in eternity you will rule and reign for your obedience here on earth. Whatever you can imagine here on earth, heaven is better, amen? You'll find no more death. We talked about it, stress, anxiety, sleepless nights, betrayals, disease, violence, injustice, racism. Guess what? We're all going to live together. We're all going to dwell together in unity and peace the way God created his people to dwell together, amen? And I believe we're finding it. We, we counted in our church one day, we had like 26 different nationalities in our church, 26 cultures in this little church. Thank you, Jesus, because this is what heaven's going to look like. All going to dwell together, amen? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. The second thing is this. I want to close with this. Our misconception is that this is our home, that the world is our home. And yes, we make it a home, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and, and we should live a great life. But this life, the Bible says, is just a moment. James 4, 14 says, what is your life? You are a mist. You only appear for just a while. Our life goes so fast, doesn't it? And I want to show you this analogy today because this part of the rope going this direction represents before the world was created. You know, God says, I am. What is your name? I am. I am the beginning and the end, right? He's the alpha and the omega. So before God created the world, God always existed, right? There's always been a past until he created the world. And this side of my, my rope represents eternity. Eternity will go when you close your eyes here, knowing Jesus as your Savior, you will spend eternity in heaven. It will go for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, right? Non-ending. But right in the middle is where I call life. This is life. And this isn't your life. This is since the beginning of creation. So the start of this red is where Adam and Eve were breathed and created into the world. And we went on with Noah and all the Bible studies, right? And then we had, um, then we had the uh, Dark Ages and the Renaissance. And we had all life begin to happen. And then you fast forward to, you know, 1968 when I was born, because that's really important, amen? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. 1968 happened, you know? 
And uh, 1957, the Chevys were made. If you're a Chevy guy, you know, right before that, 1957, you know, and the 69 Dodgers, I think, had their miracle win, or Mets, the Mets won in 69 or whatever. But then you go down, and really, if you think about it, the life that we're worried about is this much. Creation of time before eternity. And we stress and worry about this much. Can you see it? We pour everything into this much of a moment. We get discouraged and angry and frustrated and throw in the towel and we compare ourselves to others and we're worried about the cares of life for this much of a moment. And God says, if you could think about eternity, if you could think about what really matters, right here won't matter as much. You won't be as stressed out and worried about living in a mansion. You won't worry about measuring up. You won't worry. You're going to enjoy the life that you live right now. You're going to love your children right now. You're going to serve Jesus and raise your children to serve Jesus. You're going to win a world to Jesus Christ who is lost and dying and going into hell for eternity that we want to bring them into heaven for eternity. Amen. We are living for a little moment. And Jesus says, if you will live for eternity, what you do in this moment makes all the difference in the world. You would fight less with people. You would lose less relationships. You'd make that phone call you need to make. You'd share Jesus with someone whose life may be ending very shortly. The devil is fighting so hard for the culture of the church today. There's another young pastor, second one, and I think about maybe a year span, 30-something years old, mega churches, had everything, beautiful children, committed suicide. Committed suicide because right here mattered too much in their mind. It was too overwhelming, too, trying to keep up with everything, keep up with 50 campuses and 10,000 people and all of that instead of worrying about winning the one to Jesus. Winning the neighbor to Jesus. Who cares what other people think? You're living for this little moment. Find joy, find happiness, find purpose. Change somebody's life. Give somebody some food. Send people on a mission trip. Do what matters for eternity. Have Bible studies with your children in your home. Teach them about Jesus. Teach them about moralities. Teach them how to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I was six years old laying hands on people because my mama said I had healing in my hands and I believed her. Amen? There's so much to live for. Life is just a mist. And should we enjoy life? Yes. But enjoy it knowing this is why I'm living. There's three words, Greek words in the Philippians scriptures, and it translates this, tiskar plain. Tiskar plain. And it means, does it really matter anyway? Tiskar plain. Does it really matter anyway? If I never get married, does it really matter in eternity? Or does it matter who I bring with me? Tiskar plane. If I never get what I'm believing God for, and I, I, you still keep believing God, but if I never get it, I'm good. Because I have my future. I have eternity, amen? And I know that I'm bringing my little neighbor with me. I know that my coworker, I walked her out to the, par- the parking lot and I led her to Jesus. I know my workout buddy that I see at the gym. I cared one day, Tiskar playing. Who cares about this moment of me lifting my muscles? Yeah, I get your muscles. I need some. But the motive is eternity. The bigger picture, amen? The last one is most people, misconception, most people are going to heaven anyway. 74% of people think they're going to heaven because they're good. 74% of people because they're good. 
and we've hit this hard, good does it get us to heaven. Forgiven people get to heaven. Forgiven by Jesus get to heaven. Jesus said, wide is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Romans 3.23, listen, everyone in this room has sinned. Every one of us, including your pastor standing here, for all have sinned. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Short of the glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. We have eternity in heaven because we believe this message of God's grace and forgiveness. And while we are breathing air, it is our responsibility to confess him as our Lord and as our Savior. And to repent that I am in need of a Savior. It is not my self-righteousness. It is not my good deeds. It is not my good thinking. It is not new age philosophy. It's not if I serve in a church. It's not if I teach children in a children's ministry. None of that qualifies us for heaven. What qualifies us is recognizing we are in need of a Savior. Amen? 1 Corinthians 15 says, Oh, death, where is your victory? <laughs> where, O oh, death, is your sting? Because thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have no sting in death. I don't have any worry when I die because I have Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, and he is my victory. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen? It's not in vain. I'm going to have you close your eyes this morning. And I'm just so thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit here. And he is the only one who can, can convict us of sin. No man can do that. They can condemn you, but only God can convict your heart to say, yes, I'm in need of a Savior. And maybe you're sitting here this morning, and maybe you've even gone to church before, but I want to challenge you to say yes to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I'm going to have us all say this prayer together in just a minute. But I want you to ask yourself, if you were to take your last breath here on earth, would you breathe into the presence of an all-living Savior into eternity? Are you assured of that? And if you are not sure, then this invitation is for you to say yes to Jesus. Yes to a risen Savior. Yes to eternal life in heaven. Yes to your name written in the Lamb's book of life. With all eyes closed, if that's you and you need to say yes to Jesus today, maybe you need to confess of some things. I don't know what it is. It's between you and the Lord. But the Lord says, if you acknowledge me before man, I'll acknowledge you before my Father. So if that's you, just boldly lift your hand up all over this room, all over this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All over this room, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. There's so many of you raising your hands. I want us to say this prayer together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I'm asking you, to forgive me of all of my sin. I am in need of a savior, of forgiveness, of redemption, and of eternal life. And I receive that free gift today in the precious name of Jesus.
Amen and amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. I'm going to ask our altar people to come forward over here to the left. For those of you who said yes to Jesus today, I'm so happy for you. This is a new day for you. God says that all heaven rejoices because one surrendered their life to Jesus. So what I'm going to ask you to do is take the card in the chair in front of you. It says, I choose. Fill that card out when we dismiss. Just take a minute to fill it out. Come on up here over to Miss Tia over here. She'll meet you. We want to bless you with a free Bible today. We want to give you some information about your commitment to Jesus Christ. Amen. Because how many know it's more than just saying a prayer. We want to teach you who you are in Christ Jesus. We want to disciple you to be a winner here on earth. Amen. Amen. Let me close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this series. We thank you that, Holy Spirit, you have your way in everything that's been taught and heard and caught by you, Holy Spirit. We ask angels of protection around them. In the name of Jesus, they're coming and they're going. Bring them back together safely as we celebrate you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Love you all so much. Have an awesome week. We'll see you at our midweek service or next Sunday.